Hi, I'm James Atkinson, and welcome to the conversation I recorded with Neil Whitty at the Craft Brewers Conference in Washington, D.C. in April. Neil is the founder of Craft Quality Solutions, the first consultancy to provide field quality services to craft brewers, distributors, and retailers. Field quality is basically about ensuring that once beer leaves the brewery, that it stays at optimal quality up until when it reaches the consumer. Neil's also a master Cicerone, and he has 16 years of experience running the field quality program at Boulevard Brewing Co. in Kansas and Duvel, USA. Recently, he was appointed the Brewers Association's Quality Ambassador, replacing Dick Cantwell in that role. I hope you enjoy the chat. But first, a word from our sponsor. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Well, how we often start off these interviews is, who is Neil Whitty? Uh, well, Neil Whitty comes from Kansas City, Missouri, right in the middle of the U.S. Uh, I've been in the beer business and craft beer business for about 20 years now. Uh, worked for a winery before that and worked as a bartender before that. Started as a brewer in the brew pub industry and after just short of a year uh, got on with Boulevard Brewing Company which is now a larger regional specialty brewery based in Kansas City uh, distributing in roughly 34, 35 states. Uh, they became part of Duval USA about four years ago. So they're part of the Duval family of breweries in the U.S. And so between, uh, you know, Boulevard before Duval and with uh, some time at Duval, I spent about 19 years working for them. I uh, started as a brewer uh, there in 97. And after about three and a half years of working in the brew house, the founder of the company, John McDonald, uh, decided he wanted to have someone working out in the market making sure that all the great beer we made at the brewery still tasted good by the time it got in the consumer's glass. Uh, there wasn't much of a template for a job like that so there wasn't anyone that I could really look towards to figure out how to do this so I just kind of dove in and started to travel around uh, what was probably at the time maybe a seven or eight state distribution area in the middle of the country and started working with all of our beer distributors and all of the draft technicians that the beer distributors employed, uh, you know, at that time and still to this day in those states and, and really in about in the majority of the states, a little over half actually of the states in the U.S., uh, distributors are responsible for draft maintenance and cleaning draft lines. So I spent a lot of time working with draft technicians, cleaning draft lines, uh, working on systems and and learning about how our beer was being taken care of and working with uh, these teams to try and make things better. And, you know, over the years, uh, you know, draft really became my specialty and, uh, you know, the position evolved into something a little bit larger, incorporating training and education 
I ended up going through the uh, Cicerone certification program and in 2012 I attained the level of Master Cicerone. Uh, so there's 13 people now have passed that test. So you know that helped me along uh, in my career as well and, and you know just gaining some credibility with uh, some of our now at that point further out distributors on the East Coast and West Coast. Uh, and and really, you know, kind of continuing education and training and promoting field quality in the industry. Great. And what are the two uh, most recent roles that you've just taken on? Obviously, there's one at the Brewers Association and you've launched your own business, which you were just starting to tell me about. Yeah, that's right. Uh, after uh, 19 years, uh, at the end of this, just this past year and at the end of uh, 2016, I left Duval USA and started my own company. It's called Craft Quality Solutions. So I consult with brewers and distributors and retailers on anything and everything that has to do with quality, maintenance, and of beer in the marketplace. So everything outside the brewery. And I I've also been doing some work for the Cicerone certification program and training and and content development. And uh, I now work for the Brewers Association as the quality ambassador. So the quality ambassador uh, travels to different state brewers guild meetings and addresses the group on quality issues and, and you know, referring to and uh, pointing out all of the different resources that the Brewers Association has for its members regarding quality. And you've been banging the drum a lot about field quality uh, recently. What is field quality? Well, you know, most brewers understand uh, quality and a quality program and making quality beer uh, to involve all of the things inside the brewery, which, of course, is the case. Uh, There's a lot that goes into making sure that you are sending great beer out the door, but there's also a lot to making sure that that beer is being preserved in the marketplace. You You can send a great beer out the door, but that doesn't mean that the consumer is going to be drinking a great beer by the time they get it in their hands. There are a lot of things that can happen to beer in the market from uh, poor handling, uh, you know, uh, improper storage, uh, pouring through uh, a poorly designed or poorly maintained draft system, uh, you know, dirty glassware and all kinds of service related things that can happen at retail as well. It's a lot of things that can happen to beer and those are things that are not necessarily paid as close attention to as some of the other quality related things inside a brewery. So that's been my focus for many years now is to help to draw attention to those things as well as all of the very important things that happen inside the brewery. So for brewers, what does a good field quality program look like? Well, a good field quality program is going to depend on the size of the brewery because, uh, you know, we've got a pretty big variety of, of size. So uh, for a small brewer, uh, if you're sending beer out the door, you know, it's it's uh, just kind of covering the basis. So if you have a distributor, uh, engaging with your your distributor about, uh, about proper storage and handling, are you mandating refrigerated delivery? Or is there a possibility that your kegs are going to sit on a hot truck on a 100 degree day in the middle of the summer. Uh, So there's concerns like that. Are you addressing line cleaning issues with distributors when you're distributing in a state where the distributor has those responsibilities? Uh, Do you have that written into a distributor contract? Uh, Things like that. So those are some really basic things. And I think as a brewery gets larger and they have, uh, you know, more resources and more people out in the field, uh, you know, salespeople need to be empowered and they need to be directed to 
implementing some of these things on their own. So, you know, salespeople are in out at retail every day and they need to be doing things like checking date codes and looking at draft systems and, and sampling their beer on draft and making sure that the beer is up to the standards that they want. Those salespeople also need to be trained to be able to do that. So you also, you have to have a, in order to have an effective field quality program implemented from a sales team, the sales team needs to be educated on, you know, what types of things can happen and how to recognize different things. So if they taste a beer that doesn't taste right, for example, they will be more likely to be able to figure out where that off flavor came from. Was it something brewery produced? Was it something that was produced at retail or, or what have you? And larger breweries will then also, you know, a lot of larger breweries have dedicated field quality specialists, which is what I did for Boulevard and Duval USA for, for so many years was, uh, you know, that was my sole responsibility to uh, ensure the quality of the beer in the marketplace. So there are a number of uh, larger craft breweries now that have dedicated field quality teams, but it's not as many as you might think. Uh, there's, uh, you know, right now I can think of offhand probably six or seven that have dedicated field quality specialists, but there's not a whole lot beyond that. And some of the larger breweries have teams that focus on that. And a lot of them are incorporated into training or, or something that, you know, is often referred to with larger breweries is called a trade brewer or something like that. So uh, those responsibilities do exist in the larger breweries, but uh, it might not be structured in the same way as they are with some of the larger craft breweries. Six or seven breweries that are doing it out of 5,300, certainly not very many. True. Uh, that could be a little bit misleading because, you know, not all of those, you know, 5,000 plus breweries are distributing their beer. Uh, so, you know, I don't have that exact number in front of me. But, but uh, yeah, the larger point is that there's not as many as maybe there should be. And that's kind of part of my motivation in the formation of my business, Craft Quality Solutions, is to... Uh, help to address that from an independent standpoint. You know, I've spent a lot of time uh, over the years of my career working uh, with one particular brewery and helping to promote quality in the marketplace. But I think there's a big need for it on a broader scale. Um, and, you know, I think that's a, it's a big unmet need in the industry right now is addressing those issues. One of the things that came up in the conference this morning is that breweries are now selling beer to consumers that are much better educated than than they used to be what's drawn people like yourself to that conclusion uh well you know they're just a lot more educated people right now you know just uh everybody i talk to on the streets it's you know when i meet people at bars and when i talk to bartenders it's just a different world than it was when i got into this business 20 years ago you know i'm i hear a lot more people uh in you know, who are working in the trade, uh, you know, bartenders, servers, and even consumers talking about things like oxidation and diacetyl and some of the very common off flavors that can pop up with beer. And, uh, you know, so these are becoming more widely used terms. People are, are learning to recognize these things, even, you know, just people who are enthusiasts about beer are educating themselves about freshness. And so as that happens, it's more critical for brewers to to stay on top of things because consumers are going to recognize if something is wrong with the beer. A lot of them are going to be able to even pinpoint where that comes from now. Uh, but I think there's even more people who just are starting to realize that something is not quite right, even though they might not be able to put their finger on it. There are more people who are able to say, you know, something's not quite right with this beer and, you know, maybe I'm just going to drink something else. And the risk for a lot of breweries is that, you know, 
it might actually be a bar or restaurant who is hiring a third party company to clean their draft lines and there's an issue that's come up with their draft beer and it might not be the brewer's fault at all that their beer doesn't taste right but the consumer is going to blame that on the brewer so it's incumbent upon the brewer to engage with retail and engage with the distributors and everyone involved in the maintenance of draft systems and all and everyone involved in all of the processes that make sure that we have great beer and engaging with those people to make sure that everything is being done correctly. Are there any particular beer styles such as for example fruit IPAs that are a massive trend now? What sort of issues does that introduce in terms of shelf stability? Well, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, regarding particular ingredients or particular beer styles, I think, you know, everything is vulnerable to issues arising. Uh, some styles have the ability to uh, mask some of those characteristics just because they're very intensely flavored beers. Uh, but I think, you know, the larger issue when it comes to a lot of these new trends with, you know, fruit IPAs and things like that is the push for innovation and the push to constantly have something new, uh, which really drives back to things that are happening inside the brewery. And it's, you know, something that uh, was discussed on the panel this morning uh, is, is just making sure that all of your processes are in place on the brewery level and you have your SOPs in place and you have all of the solid groundwork for a good quality program. So, uh, you know, in an environment like we have right now where the demand is so high for something new all the time and you're working with unique ingredients that maybe uh, you aren't used to working with or you're developing new recipes at a greater clip than, than you ever have in the past, which is the the case with a lot of brewers right now you have to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row from a quality standpoint because the more you're switching things up and the more you're using new ingredients that you're not used to working with you know the, the more the likelihood is that you're not going to be making the best beer all the time so it increases the chances that something's not going to be right. One thing Australia and America have in common is that they're both very big countries. Does that throw up new challenges where uh, field quality is concerned yeah obviously that's that's uh part of the whole thing is is the you know the care and the handling of of beer along the way uh it is possible to ship beer across the country and have it be fresh uh, but at the same time, you know, there can be a tendency to push things uh, a little too quickly and maybe send beer into the market that is going to sit on the shelf for a little bit longer because, you know, they might know the name of your beer in your hometown and in a few surrounding states. But when you're halfway across the country or all the way on the other side of the country, you don't have that name recognition. There's slower pull through. So you run the risk of, of having old beer sitting on the shelf and you know some styles to go back to you know to refer back to a previous question that uh, there are some styles that are more vulnerable to uh, aging characteristics and oxidation characteristics and you know those styles are really not great styles to be sending across the country so you know some styles of beer are going to hold up better than others so if you're sending your really delicate pilsner beer uh, with a you know a 90-day shelf life uh, on it all the way in the other side of the country and nobody knows the name of your brewery then chances are the way they find out about your name of the brewery is going to be by drinking a bad beer <laughs> and um as one of very few people who has completed the master cicerone qualification 
Um, in Australia, there's a bunch of people who are, you know, the program's just been introduced there and we've got a, a few certified Cicerones. What level of work um, is involved in going to that final stage, making it past advanced and then onto onto master? Well, uh, I always tell people that getting to that level of the Cicerone program is, is more of a measure of obsessiveness than it is uh, actual abilities. Uh, it's just I, I'm a naturally obsessive person and when I start to learn about something I just want to keep going and going and beer has been a passion of mine for a really long time you know when I started home brewing almost 25 years ago and I've just always wanted to learn more about it and I'm also very goal oriented so you know when that task is set in front of me I'm gonna do everything I can to work towards it and so it was a really long process for me Uh, I passed the certified Cicerone level the level two the first time it was offered in uh, April of 2008 that was when nobody knew what the Cicerone program was it was just this brand new thing I felt like at Boulevard Brewing Company where I was working at the time that the industry needed something like that and I felt like if that actually were to uh, catch on and get some traction that it would be very beneficial for a position like the one that I held and so you know I wanted to support that program early Boulevard wanted to support the program early on and so after I passed that test uh, you know they offered the master exam and I went for it but all in all it was probably about a four-year process you know it was it took a long time and a lot of preparation and I had to take the test a few times. Did you also have to travel to to other markets to be able to taste a lot of different beers? Well, I I fortunately had traveled a decent amount the way it was, so I did have the advantage of traveling overseas, uh, you know, spending a decent amount of time in Belgium, uh, learning a lot about beer, you know, and I I, uh, I studied German in college, so I, I did have a good history of experience with German beers as well from some time I spent studying in, in Germany in the early 1990s. So uh, I did have some of those advantages for sure. I mean, that's, that's a really helpful thing when you're studying for a test like that is to be well-traveled and experience beer culture in other countries, in addition to many other things that you have to expose yourself to. What was the single hardest part of the exam that you know you said you had to take it a few times what was the, what was the biggest stumbling block well you know it, the Cicero program is really a unique experience for everyone it depends on where you come from so you know I had experience as a brewer and I had uh, you know extensive experience with draft systems so those were sections of the exam that were kind of my strong suit but other sections of the exam for example beer styles were not my strong suit because I worked very extensively with certain beers they were very limited relative to the broader world of beer because I drank sampled beer every day, but it was largely beers from Boulevard Brewing Company, uh, my employer. And so there were a lot of benefits to that. But when it came to beer styles, particularly, it was difficult because, you know, whereas I might be able to tell you four different American IPAs from four different countries, I wasn't familiar enough with them to be able to talk about the finer points and differences between those beers. So I had to really make a concerted effort to expand my boundaries and sample more beers. That was That's the unfortunate part of studying for a test like this is you have to drink a lot of beer. So I had to do a lot of really uh, focused tasting studies, uh, which my friends happily obliged in helping me out with. And so, you know, that shortcoming of mine really would trickle down to uh, some of the beer and food stuff too, because, you know, 
know, if given a whole list of beers, for example, that I had to choose from for pairings, commercial examples of these beers, uh, you know, I was a little more limited than some of the other candidates were uh, as to which ones I was really that familiar with. So I really had to kind of expand my knowledge. Now that it's a different experience for somebody else. So someone who's been managing a beer portfolio for a craft beer distributor or manages a big beer portfolio for a retailer, that is going to come naturally to them because they're sampling a wide variety of beers all the time. But maybe they don't know as much about draft systems or maybe they need to brush up on brewing process and ingredients and things like that. So everybody comes in with their own set of personal experiences that, and everybody kind of has a strong suit and everybody has one or two topics that they need to brush up on a little bit more. Out of that process of discovering all those beer styles, was there any one real, you know, awakening where you just were like, wow, this, this, is, this is such a fantastic style and developed new passion for beer through that? Well, you know, one of the things that it, it really kind of did for me was, you know, I, I was fairly well versed in most of the styles the way it was, but it reintroduced me to some, uh, to some classic styles and some classic brewing traditions that uh, I had kind of almost forgotten about. Uh, you know, one of the beers that that sticks in my mind is like a Munich Dunkel. Uh, it was, you know, it's a beer that I can walk past uh, a lot of these, you know, German lagers on liquor store shelves all the time and never really buy one. It just doesn't occur to me because I'm always looking somewhere else. But being forced to sit down and 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 revisit some of these beers i discover how wonderful they were so that was that's one in particular that stuck out as a, as a personal favorite of mine is a munich dunkel i just absolutely love that style of beer but for the longest time i never really had one because it, it just didn't even occur to me so it was kind of a rediscovering more than an actual discovering something brand new well we might leave it there neil witty thanks very much for joining us on radio brews news well, great thanks a lot i appreciate it that was Neil Witte. If you enjoy Radio Brews News and Beer as a Conversation, please rate us and leave a review on your favourite podcasting app, like iTunes. We look forward to joining you next week for another conversation about beer. Beer.